0: Listening in a way that people feel heard has amazing benefits in all aspects of life. In the business context, some of the benefits are that you collect more information because people feel seen and are willing to share more sensitive information. And by listening to them fully, they're actually more willing to support your decisions and trust you more because they feel seen and understood. And so once that happens, they're willing to kind of go along with you, with your direction. I'm Jason Gore, and I'm here with executive coach Robert McNaughton.
1: Thanks, Jason. I'm fascinated by this subject um, that as human beings, uh, it's so hard for us to listen to each other that there are schools of thought out there and practices like things called active listening, that we have to actually teach people how to listen and not just wait for their opportunity to speak.
0: Indeed. it's uh, It's funny, you know, it's Not taught in schools. It's not taught in universities. Um, It's generally learned the hard way. um, But it's such a powerful practice to listen in a way that people actually feel heard, and the the result is they tend to keep on talking and giving more and more information. And what's amazing to me is the level of trust that gets created through listening in a way people that feel heard.
1: Yeah. So you were sharing uh, with me a, a story about this recently. Can you share that here?
0: Yeah, sure. This, is a, this goes way back when. So pretty much I'm fresh out of college. I got hired by a consulting firm. And you know, like all consulting firms, what they do is they hire these kind of smart college kids and, and then bill them out at you know, hundreds of dollars an hour. Um, but I was in a Department of Defense business unit. And one of my very first projects was working with a nuclear power plant that was run by the Air Force and so i'm supposed to go in for a set of interviews and the interviews are on site like in this little off building outside of the secure environment and i'm pretty much you know doing on the job training so there is an ex-nuclear sub captain that's flying in from seattle that i'm meeting there and it turns out that he was a no-show his plane was you know delayed for a long time and so i called my boss up and said Great, well, I assume we're just gonna pause. And my boss said, No, this is a government contract. Like we cannot be late. Like we get penalized if things don't get if the milestones don't get hit. You need to conduct these interviews, you know, because even if you don't do them well, it's better than getting penalized. Right. And I'm like, I don't know anything about nuclear power plants. Like, I'm a psychologist. Like, what am I supposed to do here? And uh he says, Well, First of all, don't pretend to know anything that you don't know, and simply ask open-ended questions, and then paraphrase what you're hearing back, um, and just collect the information. Now, at this point, I thought it was kind of cool, right? Like, I kind of had nothing to lose, you know, because we had to do these interviews. So here, you know, 21-year-old kid, straight out of college, walks into this nuclear power plant, and, you know, the first guy I meet, he's kind of a heavy-set guy with, with glasses, kind of the prototypical character that you'd expect to run a nuclear power plant. And I'm working with the maintenance department of this power plant. Right? The folks that are just running maintenance. And you know, I asked open-ended questions, like my boss had t- told me. This is the partner in charge that had given me this direction. And I asked, you know, what's having you lose sleep at night? And I got the answer back and I paraphrased what I heard. And he said, well that's not quite right, you know, and then he gave me some more information and I paraphrased that back. And then he started to kind of pinpoint, by me paraphrasing back, he started to really pinpoint the problem because he would be hearing me offer the reflections of exactly what he was saying, and I had no information to add, right? I was a pure listener. I was, you know, a little deer in headlights. Um, And after a little bit, he said, wow, you seem to know a lot about nuclear power plants, which I got a real kick out of um, because by paraphrasing back, somehow – It makes you look really intelligent and all you're doing is listening. So I went on to the next interview and I'm like, I had a little more confidence. And so same thing, same set of questions. You know, what are your big concerns? Um, And he would list out his concerns and we would just go one by one and and drive down and kind of the same thing happened. He's like, wow, how long have you been in the electric industry, power industry? You know, it's like, huh, wow, isn't that interesting? But then some strange things happened, which is I started hearing things like well, you only have secret clearance, so I probably shouldn't be telling you this. But, right, and I started to get all the details and all the nitty-gritty on the the people in this particular plant that were causing problems and things that literally people have never shared with anybody um, outside of the power plant. And so it was like, huh, I was amazed at how just listening and asking these big, open-ended questions and paraphrasing created a level of trust that was completely inconsistent with the level of trust that should have been there.
1: Yeah. It's, it's like listening as a form of investigation and interviewing. You're, you're getting way deeper into it just by paraphrasing back what you're hearing. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I mean, I'll, I'll just finish this story because it, it's actually quite an interesting one. So I collect all their information and it's really obvious what's going on. Essentially, they have a maximum, they have like, 20 million dollars in parts that they could have on hand and they really want 40 million dollars in parts but because there's just some really big parts that fail every once in a while but when they fail they have to get a helicopter to fly them in and the power plants are down for like 12 to 16 hours by the time you get the helicopter you know to bring the part get it installed and you know you know 10 hours in a power plant is a lot of money being lost
1: sure
0: right and You know, so what I found out eventually was that their leaders were basically kiboshing the idea because they wanted to have a budget and only wanted to have a certain amount of working capital to run the plant. But in the long run, you looked at the numbers and it was really obvious that they should have certain parts on hand. But the leaders weren't listening to the the engineering folks. And so, you know, when I came in, basically I just got them to listen to each other um, and you know, ask the, the management to pause and say, really listen to what the engineering folks are saying, and literally within a few weeks, w- there was like $17 million in increased revenue monthly by changing some of the, the core assumptions around working capital and what parts were in hand. So it was kind of amazing to me that listening can produce an incredible amount of financial value as well.
1: Right. And the costs of not listening um, (laughs) are you're going to miss some potentially critical information that there's all sorts of uh, value in the many eyes and ears, et cetera, of all of your team and in your company. And if you're not actively listening, if you're not paraphrasing to see if you get, if you got it uh, and allowing for more information to come up, you're, you're going to be missing out on a lot of key things that could lead you to more success.
0: You know, in postmortems is an area that, you know, listening is so powerful, or exit interviews, like when something has gone wrong and you go in and you just listen, Yeah. what happened? Huh, and you start to collect information without assessing and just paraphrasing back. The amount of information you could collect about a leader, about the group, about the people in the group in a 30-minute conversation is more information sometimes than a leader might get in many hours of convert of conversation, yeah. Um, I mean, paraphrasing is just so important. So important. It just it gets people talking.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I, and I'm just present to another cost of um, you know cultures that aren't doing this, especially leaders that aren't doing this. Is that it encourages. Um, bad dynamics where people have to get attention in other ways besides just through normal conversation, they have to kind of like use back channel power dynamics and in other ways to get their values uh, to get their ideas heard because um, listening just isn 't isn 't being fostered enough
0: yeah you know CEOs and leaders are always um, upset when. They get caught with their pants down when they something happens in the organization that they weren't aware of, and it's kind of too late to do much about other than to firefight. Right. Um, but it's what gets in the way is that they're not listening in the first place, right? So they interrupt, they offer assessments, they offer advice, rather than just collecting the full picture early on and really keeping their ears to the rail and making sure everybody else is doing it by modeling it
1: right yeah exactly i mean you know it is work you know you you have to try a little bit harder to listen when someone else is talking and so it, it, understandably it's it's uh it, it might not be happening all the time but that's it, you know, it's naturally people are waiting for their opportunity to talk to say what they have to say. They're cutting people off before they're finished talking, and they're certainly not doing this practice of paraphrasing of like making sure they understood it. Because how how could I not have underst- uh, uh, understood it? I'm smart. I I, I hear, heard what you said. Yes,
0: you know. So kind of what gets in the way is m- more or less the desire to really learn, the desire to really get into someone's world. And if you do, they'll feel heard because you're, you care about it. You actually care about
1: what's behind the walls. Right. Great. Well, so let's talk about how um, a leader can start doing this well. Like, how can we start listening better and listening so that people feel like they're heard?
0: You know, I think it goes back to the basics once again. You know, asking good questions, paraphrasing, being patient and staying curious, and really, you know... Ch- checking in when, you know, we talk about paraphrasing and the key with paraphrasing is you, you end with a question. So yep. Robert, what I think you're saying is that you want to talk about when a leader does this well, what does it look like? It, am I hearing you right?
1: Uh Yeah, I, I wasn't paying attention. So um I was waiting for my opportunity to talk. So right. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, But there is a, qu- like paraphrasing is not just paraphrasing. It's, it's a two part little Exactly. trick, right? It's you paraphrase and then you check from did I get it right?
1: Yep. Because I, I hear can, everything. I've coached my clients into, you know, practicing just that, you know, it's like paraphrase back and then always finish with, you know, D- did I get it? You know, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, and actually and actually mean that. And, um, you know, that's like before we jump into our own assessments of, of things, our own perspectives, again, we want to value understanding each other's perspectives.
0: Yep. Um, in I like better than correct me when I'm wrong, which is a little. It doesn't require an answer. I really like a more positive question um, that requires an answer. What am I missing, or did I hear you right? Like that, it requires a positive confirmation. Yep. And you know, my experience is that usually people add stuff. There's usually it's not a no, but it's like, well, let me share this or let me offer this correction and then another layer of really? information gets revealed.
1: Yeah, a whole thing, it's, that, you know, it's like, I'll paraphrase back something, I'll sometimes even parrot it back, you know, exactly what I heard them say, and they'll be like, actually, now that you say that, it's completely different, you know? It's like you can really uh, go a long way just by doing that. You know, in the
0: realm of conflict resolution, this to me is the number one most effective practice. Once again, it's like more effective than it should be. There's some. It's like there's, like, we were biologically designed, and it's like a back door into connection. Like somehow the brain gets tricked when you're being paraphrased to trust this other person, to want to collaborate with this other person,
1: um, and it it's more powerful than it should be. Robert, <laughs> yeah. I don't get why it works so well. So the indicators of success for this happening in a culture when this being done with excellence is that there, there is more collaboration. There is more trust. And mm-hmm. there, there are more ideas being shared. And really people know that if they're expressing their opinion, um, they actually need to mean what they say because people are listening. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the, it, it's hard to even sum up all the ways that this is beneficial to your culture.
0: You know, and one of those things is that conflicts de-escalate very quickly. Yes. Like the vast majority of conflicts um, get resolved when people understand each other. And having the other person feel heard is, in my opinion, the number one way to de-escalate. Like even in a customer service situation, you're an angry customer because, you know, the flight's late and I'm a United rep. Like if I actually just hear you out, wow, and hear the impacts. Even if there's nothing I could do to change the situation, you are gonna leave that conversation a more satisfied customer than if I just say, I'm sorry, Robert, there's nothing we could do here.
1: Yeah, so let me make sure I'm getting this right. You know, as far (laughs) as like next steps of ways to bring this into your life, uh, especially if am I in in like a difficult conversation, Mm -hmm. when tensions are getting high, I can use paraphrasing Making sure I uh, sh- sharing back what I think I heard, and then following up with you know a, a positive question of like d- did I get it right to verify that I'm I'm hearing what you're saying? Am I getting this right?
0: Yes, and it's not only in conflict situations, right? It's in all situations. I mean, you could do it with your kids. That's right. I was school today, and then they start telling you about the fairies and whatnot, and you. Paraphrase that and they're going to keep on going and their creativity is going to be encouraged. You know, it could be in a negotiation setting where, you know, you're digging for underlying interests. We talked about that once before where like you're going to really uncover a lot with with this by simply paraphrasing rather than trying to solve it. It's just so much easier to do than trying to solve the problem um, because so much of, of paraphrasing just works.
1: Yeah, as, as my teacher says, it's like when I really think I know something, I've stopped listening.
0: Mm, right. Um, so, the takeaway here is listening in a way that people feel heard has amazing, amazing benefits. And we're really focusing on paraphrasing and asking questions as the way to do it. The outcome is that conflicts get de escalated, you end up with more information. So, you keep your ear to the rail in a better way. You end up making better decisions because you have better information. And what's really remarkable to me is the amount of trust and rapport that gets built um, in some incredible ways when you listen in a way that people feel heard.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jason. I I look forward to hearing a lot more of what we have to say on this.
0: Thanks. I uh, I look forward to that. I won't make another work joke here. We've paraphrased enough. (laughs) Um, For all the leaders out there, we hope that this has been helpful.